Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. This morning I'm going to share with you along the lines of God's recipe for success or God's success recipe. Being that it is graduation Sunday and believing, you know, we're believing that God wants us all to succeed. We need to understand what God's word teaches us about succeeding or being successful in life, at least from his perspective. So we want to talk about that. So let's look at Joshua chapter one and verse eight and let's read it. See what it says. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So when does one make his or her way prosperous? When does one have good success? When they make a decision to meditate in the word of God day and night, so that they can become a doer of the word of God. Then they'll make their way prosperous. Now, in 39 years of ministry, I've attended a lot of commencement exercises, Never once did I ever hear the guest speaker teach the graduates how to fail. These 10 things will enable you to fail. Number one, live with your parents till you're 30 (laughs) or 40 (laughs) or 50 (laughs) or as long as they'll let you. (laughs) Just kidding. No, what I've heard them say is, well done to all the graduates. You did a great job. Thank God for your accomplishments and your achievements. And then they encourage them to continue on a journey to success. But you know what? You hear those, you know, exhortations that they give, but in reality, do they really give you insight or understanding as to what success really is? What is success? How do we define it? Who measures it? How do we measure success? What yardstick do we use to measure success in life? Well, we have a little bit of insight from that one verse of scripture. It tells us success, true success, is found within the pages of God's word. If you meditate the word and become a doer of the word, you'll make your way prosperous and you will have success. Now remember, we're tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. And that's talking about success spiritually, emotionally, as well as in the natural world that we live in, in all areas of life. So let's find out if that's true. Look in Psalms chapter 1 beginning at verse 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in the season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, notice this, shall prosper. So apparently once again we see success is found within the pages of God's word. Now the psalmist here reveals to us that we have choices that we can make in this life. And this is for all of us. He offers four choices. Now you realize that life is all about choices that we make. We have to be responsible for ourselves, right? We show reverence for God, respect for others, and we make responsible decisions and choices in our own life. And he offers four here in this psalm. Number one, the first one he shows is the counsel of the ungodly. Now we can choose to walk in the counsel of the ungodly if we want to. Now what's that referring to? 
study it out, you'll see it's talking about those that believe in secular humanism. They live their life by a humanistic way of life and living. In other words, they believe that a man can succeed apart from God. And I guarantee you, young people, I guarantee you, those especially that are going from high school into college, do you know the ratio between conservative and liberal professors right now? 12 to 1. A study was just done, 12 to 1 and climbing. In 1968, it was 2 to 1. Now, it's 12 to 1. So what am I saying to you graduates? You're going to be finding yourself in an environment. You're leaving a protected environment. You're going to go into an environment where you're going to be taught a lot of views that differ from what you've been taught here and in your home by your parents. And their liberal views. That man is an entity in himself. That he, most of them believe, believe, believe me when I tell you this. Humanism, they believe that you can exist without God. You can be moral without God. You can have success without God. You don't need God in your life. And most of them are atheists and most of them are, are, are agnostics. And they feel as though that you can function perfectly in a society without God. And to agree, you can say, yeah, you can. But that's only if success touches this realm of life. Right? Okay, but let me say this. The bottom line is this. This is where they're wrong. Because as an individual who gave you the skills who gave you the abilities, who gave you the talents, who gave you the gifts that you have that enable you to acquire success in this life. Did they come from you? Did they come from your parents? Or did they come from a living God who fearfully and wonderfully made you? You know what Nebuchadnezzar found out? He thought he was so wise in making all these decisions. When God took his hand off of him, he became like an animal, lost his mind. So you see, apart from God, we are nothing, have nothing, know nothing, can do nothing. We need God. The second thing he shows here is this view, a way, the way of the sinner. You can choose to live by the way of the sinner. This is talking about a lifestyle that caters to the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, as First John tells us. It's a lifestyle that basically, let's say, follows the desires of the flesh on the outside, the outer man. Uh, without any kind of restrictions or restraints whatsoever. Don't obey any laws or that sort of thing. In other words, we're an entity in ourselves. We're going to live the way we want to live, do what we want to do, act the way we want to act. You know, there's no one to be responsible to or to act, you know, in, in our lives to act in a way that God wants us to act. So it's important we understand that that's number two. And the third one, look at this, the seed of the scornful. And the third one, this involves assembling with others that mock God. They, uh, in unbelief, mock God and anyone that kind of has that same perspective. Boy, if you can't see it happening right now in the world today, you realize that's why in, in Hollywood with all the liberal attitudes and all that that exist, you realize it's sitting among those that really mock the things of God the scorners, they mock, they laugh at, especially conservatives, those that want to live for God, honor God, obey God, serve God, live by God's laws and that sort of thing. You're going to be thrust out into a society that for the most part, even in our country today, which it wasn't in years gone by, but it is today, they have no regard for God whatsoever. And you're going to be thrust from a protected environment into that kind of an environment. And so once again, a word of warning to all of you, when you get out there, make sure you've got a good foundation under your feet.
Make sure that you know in him in whom you've believed. That you believe the living God that you serve. And that when it says don't forsake the law of your father and your mother who taught you the things of God. Don't forsake them for another philosophy or another uh, idea or ideals that people have. There is a living God that we have to be accountable to. Can you say amen? All right, look in the Psalms. The last one is the law of the Lord. The last is the law of the Lord. So look at Psalms 19. And this is from the New Living Translation of the Bible. I just like the way it said it. Now you ready for this young person going out there? Or any, it's for anyone. This whole thing is for all of us, okay? The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. Making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right. Bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear. Giving insight for living. Don't you like that? Giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure. Lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold. Even than even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey. Even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant. A great reward for those who obey them. So we could choose to live man's way or we can choose to live God's way and it doesn't end when you leave your home and go off into college in Matthew's gospel chapter 25 who really measures success how do we define it how do we measure it if we understand how God measures it we can better understand how we can finally measure it this of course is the parable of the talents and the two you know were faithful with their talents and the other one wasn't. But notice what Jesus said to both of those that were faithful in their talents. The Lord, his Lord said to him, well done. Everybody say well done. Well done. You know at, that, at, at the commencement ceremony, well done, good job. Pat on the back, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Notice good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now, we can choose to want to hear, well done, from the humanists. We can choose to hear, well done, from those that live an ungodly lifestyle of sin. We can choose to hear, well done, from those that scorn and laugh and mock God. We can also choose to say, I am so proud because I heard, let's just say, my teachers say, well done. My principals say, well done. My supervisors say, well done. Uh, my college dean saying, well done. The CEO of my company saying, well done. And you can go on and name the list. Your coach says, well done. Your parents say, well done. Everybody says, well done. You got that pat on the back and you feel so good about yourself. But this well done does not come from any of them. This well done comes from the one who made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is. Who is clothed with honor and majesty, covered with light as a garment. Who laid the foundations of the earth, they shall not be removed forever. Who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks upon the wings of the wind. He is the one who set the boundary of the sea. The water shall not pass over. He called the stars by their name. He is the one who came and overcame death, hell, and the grave and rose victorious over it all. He's the one who's coming again with a sharp two-edged sword in his mouth and his vesture dipped in blood. And when he comes, he's coming in power. And he said to you, well done. He's the one that says, well done. I would call that success, wouldn't you? 
In his eyes, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'd rather hear it from him than anyone else. What about you? Now notice, good and faithful. Good and faithful are the two characteristics he points out. Good and faithful servant. Okay, so let's look at those two words. Good. First of all, in Matthew 19, remember this? This one says, master, good master. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Notice he called him good. These two characteristics of God, Jesus points out, enabled him to say to the servant, well done. Good, as you can see in that verse, is a characteristic of God. It is talking about God himself. And so Jesus points it out and says, there's only one good God. But now notice, he says to the one who leaves this realm and enters into the highest level, into eternity of success, and he says, thou good, he calls him good. In other words, he manifested a godlike quality or characteristic as he lived his life upon the earth. How do we see that? Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 48. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use and abuse you or persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and send it rain on the just and the unjust, for if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore, what? Even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What is he saying? You and I have God-like qualities and characteristics. A deposit of the love of God, the life of God, the nature of God, the ability of God. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And when you and I emulate the goodness of God on earth among men, as we display that goodness of God in our life, our lifestyle, our behavior, our conduct, our character, we are investing in their lives by showing them the goodness of God, God says that's good. He didn't say that these were perfect individuals. He didn't say that he was rewarding them because of their, they say, business abilities and all that and strategies. No. He said because you were good and faithful. Thou good and faithful servant. And so once again, the, the focus is for us to live a lifestyle that God sees and can call good. Not perfection, not your, that you're perfect in, in, in every way, that you're not going to ever miss the mark along the way, but show the goodness of God. Let the goodness of God manifest in and through your life. The second thing he says is faithful. They were also faithful. Thank God for the faithfulness of God. But look at Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings. But we could stop right there for a while, couldn't we? A faithful man will abound with blessings. Who wants to abound with blessings? then we need to be faithful. But whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. He was talking about you can't serve God in mammon. You can't be out for the buck and, and not serve God with your whole heart. You're going to either love the one, hate the other, etc. It's not wrong for us to have things, but it's wrong for things to have us. But he is saying here a faithful man is one who's going to be blessed beyond measure. 
So notice, once again, he wasn't talking about these two having such business sense because they, they enabled him to earn more on whatever he had. But it was because they were good and they were faithful. And because they were faithful, he said, well done. That's what I'm looking for. Well, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. See, God wants us to be faithful. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 talk about God himself being faithful. We serve a God who is faithful. Hebrews 10 verse 23 tells us we could believe in the promises of God because faithful is he who promised. So God is a faithful God. We sing about it all the time. We can trust him. We can believe in his integrity. We can know that if he made a promise, he's going to keep it because he cannot lie. So we can have an anchor for our soul to anchor our souls on the fact that God said this and so it has to come to pass. I'm going to adjust my life. He didn't have to adjust his. I have to adjust my life so I can line up with his word so that he can bless me the way he wants to bless me. So he's looking for what? Faithfulness. For a person to be faithful. Once again, not perfect, but faithful. And so let's look at some of the areas in which he says we should be faithful. First of all, faithful to God and to his word. Look in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. I advise everybody to read these verses in Psalm 119. They're powerful. Wherewithal shall a young man or woman cleanse his or her way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not, might not sin against thee. This is being faithful. Faithful to find out how God wants me to live. I know how the humanist wants me to live. I know how the sinner wants me to live. I know how the scoffer wants me to live. But you see, I want to know how God wants me to live. Because ultimately, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant from him. So I'm to be faithful in my life to get a hold of the Bible. And you know what? We're losing that in our society today. People are casting this book aside just saying they want to live the way they want to live. They want to do what they want to do. And guess what? If you start preaching what the word says, they want to silence you and tell you to stop preaching. Because when you start preaching what the word says and it doesn't go with what they believe and how they want to live their lives, they get upset. They get highly offended. And they're basically getting upset and offended at you or with you. But in reality, it is God who said it. I didn't say thou shalt not commit murder. He did. I didn't say thou shalt not steal. He did. I didn't say thou shalt not commit adultery. He did. Amen. I'm just a messenger boy. Praise God. I'm not the one that ordained marriage the way he did it. He did it. And if he's the author of life and he's the one that ordained it, then it should be the way he said and man doesn't have a right to change it. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. He doesn't have a right to change it. Does he have a right to change it? Does man have a right to change it? Does the government have a right to change it? Absolutely not. And so what are we supposed to do? Be faithful to honor the word of God and live our lives the way he said to do it. Not how we feel because the flesh will take us down the wrong path every time. And I guarantee you, you'll have an enemy out there that will be influencing you to do the wrong thing. Okay, so next, be faithful also in your marital relationship. Be faithful in your marital relationship. Look at the book of Hebrews. When it comes to family, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. 
Who said that? God said that. And so, once again, we see in our society today a very loose attitude when it comes to a covenant of marriage. And people not willing to go to whatever length that is necessary to see to it that it works. Be faithful in your home with your children. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. He didn't say that you were a perfect husband. He didn't say that you were a perfect wife. He said to be faithful. To be faithful to him. To be faithful to the covenant of marriage. Because he ordained it. To see to it that when you've come together. You make every effort to see to it. That your marital relationship works. And that you govern it according to the word of God. You abide according to the word of God. In your marital relationship. When you gave, gave your heart to one another. You denied yourself the right to live an independent lifestyle. To, for the purpose of becoming heirs together. Of the grace of life. And there's a lot of work that's involved in that. But you come together as husband and wife. And you say we're going to make this work no matter what. There shouldn't even be a thought of infidelity. There shouldn't be a thought of not making it work. And then when it comes to children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. And fathers provoke not your children to wrath. So in other words, he didn't say you're the perfect father or the perfect mother, but he said be faithful. Be faithful to be an example. Be faithful to lead them down the right path. Be faith, faithful to show them the way of life. By your precept and also by your example, be faithful because God is looking for people who are what? faithful, faithful to him and his word, faithful in their marital relationship, uh, faithful with their children to teach them the ways of God. Thank God that we can instruct our children the way of the Lord in, is, is, so that when they get old they won't depart from it as the scripture says. And that's for all of us to abide by. When I first, when I was first growing up I didn't even know the things of God. Wasn't taught the things of God. Look at the next one. Faithful to our local church. Look at 1 Corinthians. Faithful to our, our, I'm sorry, faithful in our finances. This is, this is huge. Look at Luke's gospel. Faithful in our finances. He this faithful, these, these scriptures are so impacting. They impact, when I first read these and got the revelation of it, it impacted me so much I can't even begin to tell you the effect that they had on my life. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now remember, Jesus is talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the way that God sees things, okay? And there are three things he says there. Be faithful in small things. Small things. It may seem small to us, but not to God. The littlest thing you do, you give a cup of cold water to somebody who's in need. To him, that's a huge thing. You go visit somebody who's in prison. To him, that's a huge thing. You maybe get someone that's walking down the wrong path of life and you give them a word of encouragement to go in the right direction. To him, that's a huge thing. You send someone just a little card who's off in school or maybe in the service. A little note of encouragement it may seem like a small thing to you, but to him, it is a huge thing. You might play a musical instrument and use your talent for the glory of God. And you may think, what am I, what do I really do? But I'm telling you something right now. To him, it is a huge thing. When you are faithful in small things, you've got God's attention. That woman threw in her little might, and Jesus said, that's the one that gave the most. Because she gave all that she had. But then also, be faithful in your, your finances, he said. See it too that you're faithful in your finances as you give and as you support others. Um, the work of God, the kingdom of God. There's all kinds of giving. There's four areas of, of giving. 
you know, you're going to give of your tithes. You're going to give of your offerings. You're going to give love gifts. And you're going to support missionary endeavors and, and that sort of thing. But you're, you're faithful. He is saying where your treasure is, your heart is also. I'm going to give faithfully to support your work. Not because you twist my arm to do it. But because I love you, Lord. And you've given me everything that I possess, all that I have. If we can't give God back what belongs to him in the first place, then there's something wrong on the inside. Man, when I first got saved, and you've heard me tell this story before, and I'm sure many, maybe, maybe, maybe many haven't, but I sold my house to pay my tithes. And that's all I'll say about it. I was in a brand new home. I just purchased this brand new home. I was excited about it, but then I got saved. When I got saved, I was like other Americans. My paycheck was gone for everything that I had, that mortgage, insurances, car payments, etc. But when I first got saved and I saw that it's right to give the Lord my tithe and offering, I wasn't going to wait until I can afford to do it. Do you know you'll never do it? If you wait till you can afford to do it? Can you agree to that? So what I decided to do was to sell my house and buy a cheaper one so I can pay my tithes. And God's rewarded me for that. And that's what he wants us to be able to do. To put him first. To honor him first. So what about the third one? He went on to say. Faithful to help another man succeed. You want to succeed? Sow the seed of success in someone else's life. Plant that seed. You working for somebody? Help them succeed. You see someone in need? Help them succeed. So in other words. If I'm working for an employer. And that person. That company is counting on me for their success. I'm going to give them a lot of hard work. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to help them succeed. Am I in church and I want to see that ministry succeed? I'm going to give of myself to help that church succeed. So in other words, he is saying this. You want your own on the other side in glory? You, you want me to be able to depend on you to oversee whatever? Help someone else succeed. And then I know I can use you. I know where your heart's at. Amen. So they look at the next one. In the workplace, I believe it is. Be faithful to family. Be faithful with your finances. Be faithful in the workplace. And that's what brings us to this. You working for somebody? Let's look in the book of Ephesians. In chapter 6. This is from the God's Word translation. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with proper respect. Now why are we saying all this? To let young people know that success is all about a lot more than just graduating from, let's say, high school. To let people know that even graduating from college is a wonderful thing. But that's only on a part of the road to success. Because ultimate success is living life the way God wants us to live life. And doing things the way God wants us to do things. So here it says slaves obey your earthly masters with proper respect. Be as sincere as you are when you obey Christ. Don't obey them only while you're being watched as if you merely wanted to please people. But obey like slaves who belong to Christ. Who have a deep desire to do what God wants them to do. Serve eagerly as if you were serving your heavenly master. And not merely serving human masters. You know that your heavenly master will reward all of us for whatever good we do. Whether we're slaves or free people. Masters then, he says, treat your slaves with respect. Don't threaten a slave. You know that there is one master in heaven who has authority over both of you and he doesn't play favorites. Look at this, what he's outlining for us in this book of Ephesians. As he's talking about husbands loving their wives. He's talking about children obeying their parents and, and, and parents not uh, being overboard with their children. And he's talking about where you, where you work, where you, when you're in the workplace, how you, we should conduct ourselves as Christians. 
you realize that in the workplace, people should know that we're Christians by our life, by our lifestyle, our conduct, our words, the way we present ourselves. They should know that and, and they should see Christ in us. But here he gives an example as to how we should work for our employers and also how employers should treat their, their workers. And so he's making it very clear that we need to be faithful in all these areas. Why? Because we want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant of the Lord. Look at the next to our local church. When it comes to the local church, and we see this once again happening in, in society today, that uh, people are just kind of shying away from being faithful in this area. But to our local church, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. But notice he starts out by saying, God is a faithful God. And he's called us into the fellowship of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all, he's talking about the church at Corinth, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. What is he wanting to accomplish here? Be a person that promotes unity within a body of believers. So young person, as you continue to grow and develop in your life, all these are important areas of your life. And when you get yourself involved in a local church, a body of believers, which we all should never forsake the assembling ourselves together, be someone who will promote unity among the people. Speak the same thing, mind the same thing, encourage each other to do their best to accomplish the purposes of God within that assembly of believers. This is what God would have us all to do in a church setting. Not looking out for myself, but looking out for the good of the body of believers. Why? We want God's glory to come in this place and manifest. We want God's healing power, saving grace, healing grace, delivering grace. We want the presence of God, the divine presence of God to show up and manifest among us. And he can do that when our hearts united together as one. So we're here not looking out for ourselves, but we're looking out for the things of God. So we're faithful to see to it that we are a positive influence within a body of believers and we are encouraging people within the body to speak the same thing, to mind the same thing. I said this recently in one of my classes. Can you imagine if every single one of us on our way to church and throughout the week would just say something like this? I believe to see the glory of God. I believe to see the glory of God. Jesus said if you'll believe you'll see the glory of God. And every time we go to church, I believe to see the glory of God. I believe to see the power of God in manifestation, the glory of God in manifestation. Doing what? Saving the lost, healing the sick, setting the captives free, restoring marital relationships. Also bringing wayward children, coming to bring them back to the Lord. All these things happening. Why? Because of the divine presence of God that's in manifestation. Do you realize the presence of God can speak louder than a million words? When God shows up on the scene, I'm telling you what, what a difference. And what about to our country? In Romans chapter 13, to our country. You know, we hear all that's going on in our country. And my goodness, it, it should almost be embarrassing. I don't know about you. It should be so embarrassing. You know, you think about all the division that exists and all that's taking place and the, the critical attitudes and all that. Are you getting tired of it? I know I am. You know, we need to see God's glory blanket this nation. Starting in the White House, from his house, the father's house, to the White House, to every house in this, in this nation that we live in. Look at what the scripture says. Let every soul, are you a soul this morning? Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God. 
And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or judgment. The word really means judgment. What is he saying? We need to be subject to the government because God has ordained government for the good of people, for the punishment of evildoers and for the promotion uh, of, the, of those that abide by the law. You know, if you don't break the law, you're not going to get picked up. Usually. <laughs> Usually. Sometimes it happens. But for the most part, if you obey the law, if you're not speeding, you're not going to get a ticket. If you're speeding, you've got to talk your way out of it. You'll get that in a moment. First Timothy chapter 2. So as a young person, you're graduating, you're moving on, you want success. I'm telling you, you're leaving a protected environment. You may be leaving your home environment. You're going off into a society where people don't think the way your parents think, where people in the church think. You're not surrounded by the people, once again, that are going to present to you the good news of the gospel. You're going to hear thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, and also positions that people hold that contradict everything that you've learned. They're going to tell you that there is no God, or if there is a God, they don't know it, and they can't prove it. They're going to start presenting to you all kinds of other ideas about uh, creation and that sort of thing. Be firmly convinced and convicted in what you know and what you believe to be true. Not because someone else says it, but because you opened up your Bible. You took it upon yourself to find out, look at this is what God did. I know it's what God did. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. Um, Look at that verse. I exhort therefore that first of all supplication, prayer, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that you may lead a quiet, peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. And then of course many, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So what is he saying? He wants us to have a society in our government where there is peace. Why? Because it promotes the gospel of Jesus Christ because we can reach out and praise God, get people saved and into the kingdom of God. And so we thank God for that. And you can be a part of that. And this is one way through prayer you can be a part of that. So if you commit yourself to abiding by the laws of God faithfully, then you're going to be someone that's going to promote the will of God, the work of God on the earth. Now it doesn't mean that you're going to always get patted on the back for doing it, but if you'll do it, you're going to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant someday. Look, I'm going to read to you this verse. I use this in my healing class on, on Friday. Psalm 33, verses 8 and 9. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Did you hear those two statements? Let all the earth fear the Lord and all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Why? Because he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. We're talking about the one who has ordained these laws that we're to abide by, his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, whether it's to honor him and his word, whether it's to uh, be faithful in your family, with your wife, with your spouse, with, with your children, uh, in the workplace or wherever that we're talking about, in, in, including praying for your government and all that. He's the one who spoke and it was created. He's the one that named every star that's in the sky. He's the one that gave a decree that the water shall not pass over the sand along the seashore. He's the one that's clothed with honor and majesty. And when he speaks, things happen. 
he spoke and gave us laws and commandments and statutes and judgments that we are to follow and abide by and live by. It's not about just saying a prayer that I gave my heart to Christ and now I go to church and my obligation to him is only to go to church on Sunday. That's not what this Christian life is all about. Young person, this is a battle that you're in. And the battle is for your survival and for your eternal well-being. And it's important to know when you get out there beyond, like I said, the, 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 the walls that you've been protected in, the walls of protection within your home and your church family, you are going to be sorely challenged by professors that are intellectual, that use 50 cent words and to try to tell you that it wasn't done that way, that God does not exist, etc., etc. And you're going to have to know, let me, I'll tell you something right now. You want to know in your science class, biology class, you want to understand and know about the universe? Let me tell you something right now. God spoke and it was done. That's it. Give me all the money you spend on science and all, all you're trying to find out what you're trying to find out. I'll give it to you in a nutshell. God spoke and it became a reality. All that you see was created, not of things seen, but things that are not seen, with words. And God upholds all things by the word of his power. The sun stays up there because God said stay. The moon is up there doing its thing because God said do it. The waters over there won't cross over because God said don't cross over by a perpetual decree. And I'll tell you what, he also said you must be born again to make the kingdom of God. That's exactly what he said. And when Jesus said, you kill me, I'm going to rise on the third day, guess what? It was done, praise God, and nothing could hold him down. Nothing, no grave can hold him down. So you stand bold, you stand tall, you stand strong. And when your professors try to come up and tell you all this stuff, say, prove it to me. Just say, go look up in the sky. You could believe what you want to believe, but I know my God spoke and it became a reality. And that's the bottom line. I don't need anything else, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, well, let's quickly close with this. When it comes to success, perception is everything. How do you view success? Does it mean you'll never fail? Well, you look at the life of Isaiah, and you realize that Isaiah was told to do something for God, was to proclaim the truth to the people of Israel. But guess what? Preach repentance, and they did not repent. He says, who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? There was no one that responded to him. He preached. He wasn't successful. He failed at bringing them back. Guess what else? He died a martyr's death. He was sawn in sunder. Cut in two. You go by the world standards. You say, you may to follow someone like that. Some crazy tune. You know that talking about this repentant stuff and wanting us to obey God and live the way God wants us to live who got himself cut in half with a saw for his convictions well guess what um, you may not think he was successful but I'm telling you right now God Almighty used him in a powerful way to proclaim the redemptive chapter and also in the New Testament he, he was quoted by Jesus, he was quoted by Paul, he was quoted by John the Baptist, and, and so on and so forth. Sometimes when I hear some of these speakers, and they say, so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said that. But I never hear, Jesus said this, and the Apostle Paul said that. And what, who's the Apostle Paul? He saw Jesus brighter than a new day sun. That's who he is, who went from Saul, Saul to Paul the Apostle. You see what I'm talking about? In the eyes of the world, he wasn't a success. What about Peter? Was Peter successful? Peter gets laughed at by so many people. All they remember about Peter is he got out of the boat, started to walk. He began to sink. He's going down. He's the one that said, he rebuked Jesus. He says, you're not going to die in my, on my watch. 
And, and he's the one that Jesus said to, get thee behind me, Satan. Did he not? Peter, you know Peter. And then when everybody, every scattered, you know, when, when Jesus died, was dying on the cross, he denied him three times, did he not? You call him a success? Some people would say no. But I'm telling you something, even though he died of the resurrection, once he saw the resurrection was true, you could not hold him down. You talk about being faithful, he preached to thousands. Thousands got saved on the day of Pentecost when he preached and proclaimed the truth. He established churches. He did a great work for God. Why? Because he was a faithful person. That's why. And then what about this one? Would you view him as being a success? His name is Jesus. But guess what? Jesus died as a criminal. Did he not? Between two thieves. Jesus was then rejected by his own people. Jesus was considered to be a traitor among the Jewish people. And the list goes on and on. The negativity about Jesus. And he's been put down ever since. You're going to follow someone who's under a curse. But God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every other name because while men on earth think you're a nobody you're unsuccessful it doesn't matter what man thinks it matters what God thinks and when God says well done thou good and faithful servant enter into the joy you know what the joy of the Lord is everything that makes God happy in glory is going to make you happy in glory in other words you could use his swimming pool hallelujah if he has one, you got it. You can use it because you see all the joys of heaven enter into the joy of your Lord. Everything that's up there that is joyful in the sight of our heavenly father is offered to every single one you could enter in. So young person out there, I don't know what your degree is, what you're looking for in college and that sort of thing and what you want to become. But I'm telling you, there is an offer offered to you by the living God that you serve that you can have a place with him in glory that you can't even begin to think about and that is true success hallelujah so if I can have one more can I have one more minute let's close with Galatians chapter 3 here's the apostle Paul this this man thought he was going to be successful to stamp out Christianity that was his goal his aspiration let me destroy Christianity and I'm certainly going to have my name on a placard somewhere among the Jewish people saying Saul of Tarsus destroyed Christianity but then he saw Jesus Philippians chapter 3. Right? Then he saw Jesus. I, I pray, young person, I pray this morning, you're going to see Jesus with me here this morning. You see, this is the one who's writing these words. Oh, he was on a mission. He had high aspirations and high hopes and dreams. But now, here's what he says. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already made perfect. But I follow after that, if that, I may apprehend that for which Christ, also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So in the end of your conclusion notes, notice what it says here. There are five things there. Number one, he is saying establish the right priorities. 
Establish the right. Paul says there is nothing more important than this. If it's a priority, am I going to apply myself to it? I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know your will for my life. I want to serve you, honor you. I want to know exactly what you want me to do with my life. Okay, that's the priority. I need to be born again. I need to be spirit-filled. I need to be on fire for God. I need to be serving God. I need to find myself a good local church body that I'm going to be in. And you know what? I didn't have to have someone tell me this. When I got washed in the blood of the Lamb, you could not keep this body out of church. I wanted to be there among people. You couldn't keep me from reading the Word of God. I had a hunger for the Word of God. I had a desire for the Word of God. If we ever lose that, then something needs tweaked on the inside of us because this is our food. Establish priorities. Be baptized in water. Sign your name to that list if you haven't baptized in water. Get baptized in water. Number two, also... It's humility. He said, look, I'm not there yet. I am not there yet, but I'm telling you what, I'm striving for it. This is what I long desire and desire to have in my life. And Paul had how many revelations and all that, but yet he desired to have more. He wanted to have more of God to where God was manifested in his mortal body. The third thing he goes on to say is submission. Christ has apprehended me and I'm going to submit to his leadership in my life. Jesus, I want to obey you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to Act the way you want me to act, and I want to serve you well. Forgetfulness is the next one. Forget the past mistakes. Have you missed the mark along the way? We've all done that along the way. Imagine the apostle Paul, how he murdered Christians, and he had to forget that. And Peter, how he denied Christ, he had to forget that. We've all missed the mark along the way, and we should forget that. Leave it in the past where it belongs, and don't let the devil bring it up ever again. Every day is a brand new day in Christ. It's a brand new day. His mercies are renewed every single day, every single morning. Young person, when you're out there and you missed the mark, you fell along the way, you know what? Pick yourself up. Only Failure only comes when you fail to get back up. You refuse to get back up, because God made provisions for you to get washed once again clean by the blood of the Lamb, by that continued waterfalls of blood of Jesus will cleanse you, and once he cleanses you, it's not even in his remembrance anymore. It's gone forgiven and out of your mind forever forgetfulness forget your past mistakes and failures intensity is the next one the intensity I am pressing on for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God I am putting forth effort this is my longing desire this is what I'm aching to achieve I want to do it I want to see to it that I represent God the way he wants me to I'm pressing on he said for this mark I want that prize I want to hear that well done thou good and faithful servant and lastly focus he went on to say look focus If this isn't in your mind, then you know what? I'm praying that God will change your mind. I mean, I thank God for every touchdown. I thank God for every award. I thank God for the medals that people get and all that. And there are many accolades that we could receive here on earth among men. But I'm telling you right now, there is nothing better than to hear the words of our Savior who says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in. Enter in, not to the Hall of Fame, the NBA Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. It doesn't matter what Hall of Fame there is on this earth. You know, thank God you can join a society if you want to and be accepted. You can join yourself a country club if you have enough money. And the list goes on and on. And if you don't, they kick you out, they reject you. But the kingdom of God is wide open to all those that will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can enter in, praise God, by the blood of the Lamb. Let's all stand together before the Lord.